Hello and welcome to another episode of Sharings with Shama. Uh, first of all, I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you for each and every one of you who listens to my podcast, who comments on my podcast, who send me little voice messages. I I enjoy it so much. It's like, you know, I wake up in the morning and I receive a gift. It's really, I have really come to understand how important it is to share with other people and to give, you know, other people the gift of your, um, what should I say, your gratefulness or thankfulness or admiration or honor or uh, just to say nice things to other people and to to receive them in my in my phone and and through your voice messages it really really it makes my day you know and it warms my heart and i want to begin this episode with saying thank you for that and now i am still a bit uh, what shall i say post surgery i had surgery last week i'm still a bit you know i have a lot of energy today but my body is not as energized as I am in my mind. So I have to, <clears throat> this is a typical shama. I want so much and my body says no, but I keep pushing. So I'm slowly learning to adjust to what my body needs and so on. So this episode I wanted to talk about, because many of you emailed me or sent me texts that you want me to talk about parenthood. And motherhood, and I think that is amazing. I really feel like, and uh, who am I to talk about parenthood? What do I know? And uh, so, I wanted to begin. For those of you who are new to me, I have four children. They are now. They will be thirty-two, thirty, um, twenty-two, and nineteen this year. I got my first baby when I was 21, I got pregnant when I was 20, and when I was 23, I had two kids. So that's where I come from, that's my, my start about parenthood and motherhood. And, and I think also when I, was, when I was thinking about recording this, I was thinking like, okay, I have to make this different episodes, I have to make it like a little what shall I say, around me and the young mother and young kids. And then I think I will make one episode around the hustle, you know, all the struggle, uh, all the, I mean, all the teenage years, the difficulties, you, your own struggles and so on. And then let's see where this goes. But I, I want to start, when I was thinking about this podcast, I want to start, there is one important thing to notice here when it comes to parenthood. What if you would have parented yourself? I find that in in my whole, my almost my entire life, until I was maybe 47, 48, when my mom died, more or less, I blamed her a lot, you know, for not being a good parent. I blamed both my parents for not being good parents. And the question is, what is a good parent? And what if... All the parents that we are, all the parents that we had, what if they are just perfect, you know, for us? And when I go back to, to my childhood, 
you know, I came I came into this world. I know many of you also wonder what what exactly are my childhood traumas? How come I I became all this mess? You know, and uh, you can't compare childhood traumas. You don't know the state of your being when you come to life. You know, you don't know what you as a little embryo, as a little soul, what you carry. You don't know your sensibilities. You don't know what you, how sturdy you are and so on. What we do know is that the longer it takes, you know, for a trauma to hit you, if you're five, you are much uh, more able to handle difficult things than what you can do when you're one and a half. Uh, if things happen to you in the belly or when you're three months, you know, you are so unprotected, you know, you're so open in your in your essence, in your being. So the effect of the trauma is devastating. So let's just say that the younger you are as a child and the more traumatized you are, the severe the consequences if you don't get support. And in my case, it was like this. I was not... Uh, I was not expected and I was not really welcome. Um, my daddy didn't want me. He was not present at my birth. And um, my mom told me this when I was around six or something. And when he came to the hospital, he looked at me and he he was a doctor. He was a surgeon and he immediately diagnosed me as being mongoloid. I don't know if that's the correct word, but I had four out of five signs that I was uh, mongoloid. And he said to my mom, we can't bring this baby home. We have to give her up. And my mom just felt like that's not going to happen. I'm taking this baby home. So she did. And then she told me that almost, I don't know if it was the first days or if it was the first hours, I don't know. But my one of my sisters, she climbed uh, up onto the stroller, stood on the wheels of the stroller and scratched my face when I was just home from, from the hospital and my whole face was bleeding. And there started like a process of mom protecting me, removing me from the situation so I wouldn't get hurt. And... There was something in our family constellation, you know, dad was working, was never home, mom, mom was home with three kids, she was studying to become uh, like a social worker and we had a nanny and I have absolutely, it's like none of us sisters really knows about the situation before our parents got divorced Um we don't know how it was. I don't know. I have so few memories before I was three. You know, there's like little glimpses, only little glimpses. And um, anyhow, so that's how I grew up. Grew up. I wasn't welcome. When I come home, I got abused. And this kind of continued. And my mom, she took me out of the equation often to protect me. And... Uh, those feelings, I know through years of therapy, I know that this, how I came into this world really affected me as a baby, as an infant, you know. Anyhow, they divorced when I was three. And it was a very, very difficult divorce. My mom just took us. She took three kids, a dog and two birds and moved. So when dad came home from work, we were gone. The house was empty. And he got totally, you know, he, he lost his mind. 
So I think he was checked in at the psychiatric ward for a while and he became suicidal. And anyhow, he wasn't allowed to meet us. And and we moved. She took us and she moved far away from where he lived. And I remember this is one of my first memories is like dad being all of a sudden dad is outside the apartment looking inside, you know, where you put all the letters and the newspapers that little. So it was like really you could you could see his eyes, you can hear him outside, but he was not allowed to get in. I think I was three something then. And that's one memory I have. I have another memory is me and my sister were out playing in the yard. We lived in like a suburb and uh, we were out playing in the yard with other kids. And, and one child is saying, hey, your dad's here, your dad's here. And we're like, what? And we ran, ran, ran. And yes, daddy was there in his car, you know, and he came out and and he looked at us. And I remember one thing he said, if we weren't so dirty, he would take us uh, for like, a, a take bring us to a bakery and yeah, uh, a coffee place. And I remember looking down on my T-shirt. I had a little blue T-shirt with a red anchor on and I was so dirty. I was really so, I was always dirty when I was a child. They even had a name for me, um, like a funny name because I always was so dirty. (laughs) And, you know, I was the child who just like ate and then I just uh, removed all everything on my my T-shirt. Anyhow, and I looked at my sister and she was perfect. And I just felt like it's my fault, it's my fault. Okay. So that's like two memories I have of this first year when they separated. And... My mom, she was working very, very hard. She had no money. My dad was a surgeon. He was doing really, really great. So after like a year, we got to see daddy once every month if he sent money for the train ticket to my mother. And uh, if so, we went. If he didn't, we couldn't go. So that was how I grew up. I saw my daddy once a month. He met another woman. She was beautiful. She was like our angel. She loved us from day one. She was really, she was the the love in our life because neither our mom or dad was loving, you know, capable of showing love or being physical with us. And they were fighting a lot, really a lot. Anyhow, my mom, she decided to move uh, to a better place. So she bought a house in a really fancy neighborhood, like the most fancy neighborhood in the town where we lived. So we ended up in a place where everyone drove a BMW. You know, everyone had a big house. They had two cars. They had uh, VCR. You know, they had um, flipper games. They had jukeboxes at home. They had like swimming pools. And there we were with our mom, single mom, the only single mom. You know, this was 1970 when they got divorced. I'm born 67. And in the 70s, no one got divorced. When I was 15, uh, sorry, 13, I met another girl and her parents were divorced just a few years earlier. So back then, no one was divorced. I was at school. I was the odd one because of my my single mom, of course. And um, my mom, she didn't have any money, so she struggled a lot. We had like a Russian Lada car. And uh, yeah, we had to work, you know, for 
for every penny we had to work, we never were given any allowance. So, so we brought up really poor on a daily basis. And then we went to dads once a month or on vacations. And then there was like, there was everything. It was the summer house, it was the boat, it was, you know, there was like drinks and parties and fancy, you know, doctor's life. And so there was such a split, you know, between the daily life and dads being with dad. And my friends, they didn't even know I had a father. And... uh, We grew up in this neighborhood. I was bullied a lot, really, really severely bullied. And I think I was kind of, I wouldn't say okay about it, but when I became 13, I rebelled, you know. It was like I got this fuck you attitude. I really felt like I got began to hang out with guys one year older than me, I played a lot of soccer. I was really brilliant at soccer. That was my like go-to place. I had super so much anxiety. I was very bright also. I didn't have to study. I had good grades and and then things began to happen, you know. It was really this bullying never stopped. It was really until I was 13, I think, then I became a bit stronger so I could kind of say no and and fight back but I was bullied from birth until I was 12 13 and uh, I was very very insecure and uh, and then my mom lost her job Uh, my sisters they moved out so it was just me and mom she lost her job I was 14 Um, the same year my dad gets cancer diagnosed with cancer and we have to move. So at the same time, my mom, she loses her job. She becomes severely depressed. Uh, we have to move from the house in the neighborhood. And my dad gets cancer and I begin to drink. And there, from there, I became this, you know, totally uncontrollable child. Um, <clears throat> I did not sleep at home. I did not stay at home. I had new boyfriends all the time. My boyfriends were maybe eight years older than me. There was like a lot of alcohol. Um, I skipped school. You know, dad got worse. Mom got worse. Everything got worse. And I became totally out of control. And I'm thinking, when I'm thinking back of these years, you know, the things my mom and dad did at that time those years or maybe the years where I blame my parents the most you know between when I was 15 and 18 you know dad died when I was 18 I moved away from home when I was 17 and I'm really feeling that those years the teenage years you know when you became 13 14 as a girl everything gets difficult and I became extremely difficult. And when I look back, when I'm thinking about parenthood, what if I would have parented myself at that time? What would I have done? And I'm just feeling like I'm so grateful that I am the mother of my children (laughs) and not of me, you know? Before I always felt like I wish I had me as my mother And at the same time, I can feel like, thank God, I 
was not the mother of me. I think that many of us, and now I know those of you who ask me and wants me to share about parenthood, most likely you didn't have the perfect upbringing yourself. You're struggling with parenthood, trying to be a good parent. Uh, you come into a squeeze about your needs, the children's needs, uh, your husband's spouse or whatever, if you're single, things you do, guilt, blame, am I doing things right, wrong, and so on. And I can feel like the first thing that I would like every parent to kind of do and look into in retrospect is, is your own parents, you know. What did they do that was good? What did they do that was bad? Was anything really bad? Did they hurt you on purpose? Did they intend to do that? Or did life happen to them just like life happens to us? I know that for my mom and dad, they struggled a lot. You know, they struggle with their relationship. They struggle with us. They struggle with my mom struggled so much with money and providing for us and and her own life, having a good life of her own. My dad, he was very kind of emotionally cut off. He struggled a lot with his emotions and being a, a father. I know he had big, big difficulties when we went from young girls to to teenagers, when we, you know, um, came into puberty. He had such difficulties with that. And there was really like, there was no go-to place. There was no Instagram. There was no no internet. There was uh, perhaps two books written about parenthood, you know. There was nothing. There was no go-to place. The only go-to place we had was our own parents. And I think all of us felt a lot like, but that's not a good go-to place. So anyhow... Uh, that's about my childhood. And when my dad died, I went like on a total road to destruction. It went so bad as anything can go. Um, I've always supported myself. Since I was 14, I've always supported myself. I, I made my own money, you know. When I was 17, I moved away from home. So I was still in school two years but I still, I worked extra at restaurants and clubs and so on. So I always had money. And that money was kind of, I kept working in nightclubs. I hang out with guys not good for me. And especially one person. And when I was 20, I was really in this place. We moved in together. We lived in a big apartment and... He was kind of, not famous, more notorious maybe. And um, anyhow, we were really thinking we should split up. And then I realized I'm pregnant. So I'm three months pregnant. I'm 20 years old. I'm working in nightclubs six days a week. After you leave your, you know, you get off your shift, you you drink. This is like 1980s, the end of 1980s. MTV just came. There was so much party. There was a lot of drugs. I never, thank God, did any drugs. So, but I was drinking a lot. So it was really like life was about work, party, hangover, you know, going to the beach, shopping. 
work, party, hangover, and it became worse and worse and worse. And and when we had kind of been talking about we should split up, you know, I realized I'm pregnant. He's super positive, wants to keep the baby. And I, I asked my mom if she can come over. And, you know, my mom and I, we don't have a good contact. It's really like we had a really difficult relationship. But she comes and she sits in my kitchen and I tell her, Mom, I'm pregnant. And Mom says, and I said, I don't know what to do. And she says, do you know what? In our family, we can always take care of a child. And I remember I felt like that's the first time in my life, I'm 20, where I feel that she's supporting me in something. And it's not a little something. It's like a life-changing decision. And she says, in our family, we can always take care of a child. And for me, that sentence changed my life. And I decided to keep Rachel. And um, so that was it. From that moment, my mom, she was very close to me and to us, you know. And when Rachel was born, she was at home with us. She lived with us. She moved in. She was super, super supportive. There happened a lot of things in the beginning in the early months. So I went from being a nightclub waitress, party, party girl, six days a week, to being a housewife. I stopped drinking from the day I made the decision. <clears throat> you know, from the day I found out I was pregnant, I stopped drinking and never took anything while I was expecting Rachel and... I did a lot of, you know, all my anxiety, I channeled that into motherhood, baby. Uh, I made all her clothes. I made all the bed linen. I decorated her room. We moved to a little house, uh, you know, prepared everything these six months, really preparing to become a mom. And then I became a mom. And I was totally lost in this. I was 21. All my friends were studying, they were traveling, they were doing things, and I was a stay-at-home mom. I got totally lost in that. Uh, I loved her so much. I really, I went so totally into motherhood, but I was so young. It was such a different life. Every other mom was like at least 10 years older than me. I had nothing in common with them. I never had a proper job, you know. I never studied. And they were like uh, doctors and psychologists. And, you know, we lived in a fancy neighborhood. And I felt so lost, so completely lost. And um, what do you say? It's like a child having a child, trying to, you know, kind of pretending to be an adult. Uh, I did everything by the book, you know, I breastfed her, I did everything as long as I should, I really cared for her, I, I, we both, we loved her, she was like a miracle baby, and she was also like this, you know, uh, we felt like we were so proud because she was like the best baby, uh, all the other babies, they didn't sleep, she was super pretty, uh, she slept all night, there was never a problem breastfeeding her, you know, never a problem eating, starting to eat. When she was one year old, she could talk. She was like brilliant, always. And uh, yeah, fast, fast wind forward. Anyhow, in one year later, I become pregnant again. 
And then we have just separated, so we're not living together. Um, we meet at New Year's Eve, and uh, the father, he comes home with me, and our son is conceived. So it was just one single time, and then uh, we were expecting another baby. And I had this, you know, because the relationship was not good. It was really, really not good, and I was not safe in it, so... And I have just been accepted to air traffic control school. So I really struggled to, to stay single, to be single, uh, expecting this baby, having Rachel one year and a half, and really lived in this apartment with no elevator. And a month before our son was to be born, my mom said, do you really have to struggle like this? I, you know, I, I worked, my, my job started at seven at the airfield and, um, yeah, it was, it was really difficult times. I was 20, 23 years old with two kids, almost two kids, <laughs> super pregnant, one kid, uh, daycare, working from seven to two in the air, air, airfield. And, uh, and also I had so much issues with this pregnancy because it was really, really difficult on my body. And so one month before our son was born, we moved back into the house. So Rachel, me, we moved back in, and then our son was born, and all of a sudden I was mother of two children. It's like, okay, okay. <clears throat> and this is, it's still like a child, kind of, you know, playing adult. We really, we played family and really, really tried, you know, but there was so, the life was so, the daddy, he was working in the gambling business. He was never home. He was always, always working. I was alone with the children, super lonely, still had no friends with kids, more or less, you know, so, and then I got accepted to the air traffic control uh, education for, to become an air traffic controller and that was a big 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 thing it was like 3,000 applicants and 25 got accepted and I was the first one in their whole history who had kids that they accepted because they couldn't discriminate me because I passed the tests they wanted to discriminate me but I said I'm coming and we arranged with a nanny so we had a nanny down south where I was studying, we had a nanny for Rachel at home with her daddy. So she went to daycare. He took care of her in the evening. A nanny picked her up at daycare. So they had like Monday to Friday. And then me and the baby went home Friday afternoon at 2 o'clock. My school stopped. We went home. And then Monday morning at 4 o'clock, we took the bus to the airport. And then I went back south with the baby. And we kept doing that for for six months, I think. And then we decided, uh, the daddy, he wanted to buy a house, a proper house. I said, I'm not going with you. This time we, we're separating for good. And he said, okay, that's good. And so he bought the house, moved there. I stayed south studying. And uh, and then I met I met someone else. The father met many others, I think. Anyhow, <clears throat> so we're still parenting these two children. They're like one and three 
now. Super, super beautiful, super... They're so sweet, you know. The little one, he's so fat and happy. He's really fat and happy. And and Rachel is brilliant, as always. She always was, you know, very much a daddy's girl in a way because she was living there for for almost a year, you know, when we went back and forth. And... Um, I don't remember these days, you know, these years as difficult at all. Parenting back then, that was nothing, you know, you gave much thought. I'm I'm so amazed these days how much focus parenting gets, you know, how this... I mean, when when I grew up, we were kind of, you know, lying around at parties under tables, you know, we were not important. Uh, when my kids grew up, they were super important, but they still, you know, they were my tagalongs. I still played soccer. I went to school. I hung out with my friends at parties. My two kids, they were always present with me. You know, I was not, they, they had activities too, you know, gymnastics and swimming and so on, but I had just as many activities so it was more like my kids were present in my life, all my, all my friends, you know. As soon as I kind of got a life back when I began to study, you know, and, and then my kids became, all my friends knew my kids. And um, it was really, we were young. Uh, I was the only one with children. They loved them. So they had their own seats when I played soccer, you know. They had their own kind of mini coach and... There was something so, for me, parenthood, when I was 21, 22, 23, up to, you know, 30, it was so easy. It was like, that's, I, I didn't even think of right and wrong. I was just very, very focused on, I'm not going to do what my mom did, you know. I am going to love these kids as much as ever possible, you know. I'm going to bring them, give them everything they need. I'm going to support them. I'm going to be there for them. And this is really like, you know, the loving aspect for me. I was so amazed that I could love my kids as much as I did. I remember when they were born, I was like, is this even possible? Can you love someone this much? And I remember also thinking, being very, very, very sad at that point. How come my parents didn't love me? And I always felt that, how come, you know, my parents were not able to show me love or tell me they love me? You know, neither my mom or dad ever told me they love me. And in my family, we tell each other that we love each other all the time. That's like, my kids are raised on that. That's like the foundation, the love. And the feeling of love is, for me, that's the basis of parenthood, you know. And if you don't feel that love, then I think it's, it's something you need to work on within yourself. And, sorry, I need to mess about a little. I think you... I think you need to, to to look back and see what in you needs healing, you know. 
because for me the children they are they are will always be the most amazing thing that I have and I remember so many times where I felt like thank you thank you thank you for making me love them so much I would say if I would not have been capable of loving my kids if I have would have been more like my parents my kids would not be as they are and the thing is that am I a good parent or a bad parent you know what is a bad parent what is a good parent I can just say when I look at my kids today how can you judge something you know you know from the result in a way how did well did you do and I can say that I have four amazing children everyone who meets my kids say they are amazing always said that so I can in a way I can say that I've always been a good parent because the result is amazing it's just it's just what it is and when I say the result is amazing, what do I mean by that? Do I mean that they are super successful, that they are like uh, have their shit together and, you know, that they're kind of stable, perfect financially, housing and whatever? No, when I say that they are amazing, they are themselves. You know, they are what they are. They are not conforming to society. They are not kind of backing down, they stand their ground, they follow their passion, and they are really, really good, honest people. I really feel that, to me, when I look back, there are things that my life happened. Those of you who follow me, you know that my life happened, that there was like a lot. I had one thing, for example... I was never going to break up like my mom did. Who leaves? Who takes three kids and leaves the father without telling him? Who does that? My mom did. And I did. You know, when when the kids were one and three, something happened and uh, I had to go and get the kids. So the nanny um, said that, when the father of the children was at work, there was a situation that was terrible. And she called me and said, you have to come and get the kids. Uh, and I said, yes, okay, I'm coming. So I took the car, I drove up very, very far and to, 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 to yeah, bring, bring my children from this situation. And she'd say, she called me and said, now he's left for work. And I'm like, okay. So I went to the house, picked up the kids, a stroller and one bag of clothes and then we left and we stayed hidden for at least a couple of months undercover and uh, there was a lot of threats and and uh, it was a really difficult situation but I did that and then I realized okay probably my mom took us because of something that she was worried about, something that happened, you know. Probably you don't just take your kids from your father, from the father, unless there is a situation that is kind of dangerous to the children or to you. So I think that most likely my mom had a situation with my dad where she felt I need to take my kids and leave. Because otherwise I don't think you do. And I was blaming her so much for that. And then I did it the same. And I just felt like, okay, so now I'm following my mom's footsteps. 
and the relationship to the father was super super difficult and uh, this is also something that I want to address I have three children flot sorry I have four children with three different fathers and I've not been able to stay in the relationships I've separated every time I have been the one living ending up living with the children the father has just moved on to something else and none of the fathers have paid child support and I think that that is something that was their way to punish me financially you know and I can say that to be a single mom without having any financial support and not having any emotional support because this is also the thing if you don't have anyone to share with when your daughter is you know caught by the police being drunk or you know when your other child wants to commit suicide or you know when when some when when things happen around the kids when they are bullied and you know all the things that happen with children and you're alone that is like i i can say that there is something in my parenthood that i guess made me strong but also i have this i have this ground feeling of to be a parent is to not be supported you know it's like a, you cannot kind of relax you cannot you have to be providing all the time and if that is financially or if it's emotionally or if it's time wise it's like really so i know that i have been for my kids always because the lack of support from the fathers that has kind of pushed me into a different kind of parenthood that has been as my kids say i got i got the best part because i got them so of course that's it i got to be with them and at the same time when i think of all the pressure all the stress you know all the hard work um all these years now i'm 52 so it's like 31 years of being a mother um it's been a lot of work and it's been a lot of worry it's been a lot of anxiety and stress and you know making this function you know checking them out one after one it's not it's not been easy and i got the best part because i got to be with them so that's that's it but i can really really say that when you're parenting the way i do when you know there's no one else who's going to do it unless you do it there's no one you you can't say hey you go buy the groceries or you take that parent meeting or or you fix the money for that vacation or you pay for that or you pick them up from the police station or whatever you just do you do you do you do you do so my way of parenting has been more like i just keep on going keep on going keep on going i have no instagram to consult i have no one to talk to really i'm really more like a I just do. So there was a point in my life when the kids were like a company, you know, like a business to me. 
It was almost like a tick-off list. Okay, activities, school, homework, food, uh, shopping, vacation, this, 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 you know. And I did not think. I did not. So I would say that parenthood for me has been a lot of not being aware, you know, being totally clueless, just going with the flow, trying to fix the best out of every situation, always trying to make ends meet, always trying to get a better situation for the children, meeting someone else, trying to create a family, and then this didn't work, so we separate again, and then we make it work again, and then it's just like a big kind of machinery and at the end of the day what's left is kind of I know that it's it's not easy to be a parent but I I must say to be a single parent is a totally different ball game you know it's like I can't really, because I have nothing to compare it to, so I can't compare it. I can just say that I think the kids that grow up with single parents, they become special. I think that the parents who raise children on their own, they're special because it takes something extra, you know. There's no time to rest. And I know also... The thing is that um, my suicide attempts, I know that the last time all my kid, all my children just said, fuck you, mom. This is like, this is not okay for you, for us. Fuck you. And I realized I just there, I was without them for, yeah, at least six months. One of them for a year, I think. And I realized that that when you're a single parent, you have no margin to fuck up, you know. The demands and expectations of you are so much higher, which is totally unfair because you are the one who is there all the time, you know. You are the one who is there, but the expectations on you is so much higher. So if you fuck up, then you can fuck off. And that was the message I got. That you are the one person in our lives that we rely on. And if you jump off this ship, then you can fuck off. And I understand that. I understand that, you know. But that was extremely hard to take. To understand that there was no margin for me. There's still... honestly there's still not much margin for me to not be a good mom whatever a good mom is I mean the expectations my kids have on me Uh, now I had the surgery (laughs) I had the surgery last week and my son he came he checked in on Friday here he was meeting a friend and I was sick you know I was lying down I had so so much pain and I did not do all the things I normally do. I did, hadn't dinner prepared and, you know, my mood was kind of uh, slow and low. And and on Saturday around lunchtime, he's like, Mom, do you know what? <laughs> and I'm like, no, what? And he's like, you know what? I think I'm going to go home to my place now. 
the energy here, the vibe is kind of low, you know. And I just felt like, this is exactly how it is, you know. I can't have... Um, my kids, when I'm not up, you know, when I'm not full of energy and happy and, you know, <clears throat> their mom, when I'm vulnerable and uh, kind of uh, wounded or tired or, you know, they just flee. They just, they just, they are like rats on a sinking boat. They're just like, hey, we need to get out of here. What is that? We can't be in that. And I just realized that they are, they are so used to me managing. They are so used to me holding the fort, you know, to, so when I don't, they panic. They don't like it at all. They really want to stay away from me and move away from me because, and I can also, of course, it scares the shit out of them. That's that's uh, as it is, and it's totally understandable to have a mom who tried to commit suicide twice in their lifetime. Um, I think, of course, whenever they feel me vulnerable, they get scared. Like Jesus, it's also interesting how this feeling of uh, you know when someone is a, a victim or you know um, yeah vulnerable or so that you just want to leave them <laughs> just. And I think that is that is what my motherhood has been a lot about, you know, managing and being the strong one and uh, being there, you know. And I think also for kids growing up with single parents, they this one caretaker becomes so important. And what's interesting is that their daddies, they can do what the fuck they want, you know. It's not it's not like, you know, they're not abandoning them because they are not perfect they would never it's like but they don't have those expectations on them so so I can just say that this to be a, a single parent and to raise this many children four it's a lot you know and they are not similar to each other they are not alike you know they're super super different and they have different mentalities and interests and, you know, different moods and different wants and needs. And it's there's so much that you have to juggle. There's so much you have to take into account always. But I've come to realize one thing. I think it was easier to be a parent back in the days, you know. My parents, I don't think they care much. They care most about themselves. That's that's my feeling of us being, you know, born in the 70s, raised in the 70s, that it was all about them. And then my kids, a lot of parents became, you know, workaholics, working, 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 and, you know, um, kind of curling their kids, giving them too much, you know, not setting boundaries and not being healthy and so on. And now I feel like everything is, I don't know how it is to be a parent these days. I can just say that this Instagram, I mean, all the devices, you know, when, when my kids grew up, I have, this is interesting, I have four kids. Two of them slept on their belly as infants. Two of them slept on their back. Two of them had a sheepskin to sleep on. Two of them, absolutely not. So it's like, 
for every child I had, there was like a new, this is the do's and don'ts. But now I feel all the devices and all the fear around kids to do right or do wrong. I never, honestly, I never ever thought, am I doing right? Am I doing wrong? These days, I know when I'm a good parent, when I'm doing right and when I'm doing wrong. And to me, there are two, two ingredients, you know, that is for me when I'm doing right. And then is, is when I'm loving and supporting and when I'm pressing, present. So my presence, you know, me being there for my children, I think that is the most important. I think that's what they hate the most is when I'm not there for them, you know. They've always like, I, I know I, I have a difficulty in putting my priorities first, you know, because I think that's also a fact. When you have kids, you put them first. That's what you do. So I'm now the last years I'm learning. I think that is also part of a good parenthood to kind of, I think it's easier if you get your first child when you're 35, because then you've put yourself first for a long time. But it can also maybe be more difficult. Because you don't know how to put someone else first. I don't know. It's always two sides of the coin. But I know when I make my kids priority, I know it's very easy to be a parent. And I know when I make them priority, be on my, what shall I say, uh, on my loss, then it's no good. When I compromise my own needs for them, unless they're really hurting, suffering, and I need to go support them. But I know it's super important for me as a parent now these days to care for me, to know that my cup is full and then support my children. But I can honestly say that parenthood, for me, it never, never, never stops. It doesn't matter if they are three or if they are 15 or if they're 25 or 32 it doesn't matter it never never stops I think that to have the support to feel the support from your parents to know that you know this feeling that whatever happens mom will be there I think that my kids know that I think that they feel that whatever happens mom will be there and that has not always been like that we had really I have especially one child that has been really on and off, you know, the trust issue, especially since I um, I left them. And I think that this, for me, has been a kind of ongoing topic to kind of prove to them that I am reliable, that I am solid, that they can trust me. And hmm, parenthood. I'm thinking because I think one thing they say that what's traumatic to a child is not only what happens to the child, it's also what didn't happen that was supposed to happen. So I think all of us, all of you who feel that you had a good childhood, but your dad wasn't present and your mom wasn't loving, but you know, you grew up, but they were together and you had a good childhood and so on. All the love we didn't get that we needed, all the presence we didn't get but we needed actually traumatized us. And I think that it's never too late. It's never too late, you know, to begin. You can always begin again. 
Always, every day you can begin again. The presence, you know, I don't believe in this, to, to let your children be and let them be alone and not interfere in their lives and kind of step away and so on. And uh, I've, I've heard uh, that it's like to let, let kids raise themselves, you know, to not parent children, but to let kids, you know, hang out and raise themselves is it's disastrous. It's really, really bad. We should hold on to our kids and really parent them for as long, as long, as long as we can. Because it's needed. We need support. We need some solid kind of rock in our life. And if I can be that rock, if I haven't always been that rock, if I can be that now when they are like soon to be 19, 22, 30 and 32, well, I'm going to be that. But I'm not going to put myself in the back seat, you know. I'm, I'm also saying right now that uh, my youngest, she graduates this summer. I'm no longer her caretaker because she's 18, which means that something has shifted, you know. I no longer have any children under my care, so to speak. So I'm going to take some time after this summer to do something for me to think about, okay, the 21-year-old me who got pregnant, became a mom, what would she would what would she like to do now, you know? If she was free, what would she do? And I'm going to do that. So I think also, one thing, <laughs> before I stop, one thing, there is, this is, this, I think this is a fucking myth. I don't think this is true at all. They say that if mom is happy, the kids are happy, you know. And you use that as an excuse to go do yoga or go to trips or have an affair or whatever. Like, I don't believe in it. I've heard it so many times. People who neglect their children and put themselves, make themselves priority and they say... I, if I'm happy, my kids are happier. If that means that your kids are alone and you're not present in your children's lives, that's a lie. I'm really sorry to say. You need to rethink, you know, you re need to rework your priorities and really see, okay, that your kids should be alone because you should go and do these things. Uh, the question is, how present are you when you come home? If the yoga makes you super present and you feel like, whoa, but I've just, I just realized that we now these days, there's too much focus on work, on how we look and how to enhance how we look and going to the gym and doing this and all the activities and 15 activities for the kids and this and that. So we are not present in our children's lives. And I have decided that it's never too late to be a present parent because I think that, as what I said before, I think the, the basis of a good parenthood is presence, love and support. And I think it's equally important, really, really, really. And it's, it's well known that the stress we have as parents, the stress parents have today, it's inherited into the children so many more children are stressed out and that's not their stress it's our stress so i think there is a lot to do if you're a parent to just work on awareness you know work on presence rethink 
your own childhood, how would it be to parent yourself? I would have hated it. I, ha- I would have been so clueless on how to handle myself. I mean, my God. But I got quite a tough cookie in Rachel anyhow. Um, <laughs> and really think about our parents, how they tried, you know, with what they could. And I think also forgiveness, forgiveness you know, to heal the generation back. I think that makes us automatically become better parents. I think also to see, you know, the struggles our parents had and the struggles we have and try to not make them kind of be inherited by our children to heal the generation back. I think it's super, I think it does an important part in our parenthood, you know. If there is guilt and blame towards your parents, I mean, if your parents hit you, if they were alcoholics, they abused you, whatever, there's not much we can do about that now, but to work on our forgiveness towards them, to release the future generations, that is worth it. You know, it's so worth it because we all love our children. So I would say that I know that if we could, all parents would go to the moon and back for our kids. That's just it. But if we can't do that, at least we can work on our presence. We can work on our support. We can work on our love if we feel we are emotionally cut off. And we can work on healing the relationship with our past. Even if our parents are dead or if they are living but we don't speak to them, we can still work on that. And I think that, yeah, that's my my first episode on parenthood. I don't know if it makes sense, but you got a bit of my past, you got a bit of my kids, how it's been. And um, yeah, let's see where this goes. I think I'm going to have an episode also around teenagers because for teenagers, that's quite a lot of experience and what we can go through and um, how to handle it. And you are, as always, as usual, welcome to email me, shamaperson at gmail.com. Um, also send me a voice message, voice note on Instagram. I love that. And if you have any topics, any other questions that you would like me to speak about, just uh, text or email me. Okay, wherever you're at, I wish you a beautiful day, a lovely day, and I hope you're well and happy. Okay, peace.